friends, 2022 is history. Have you thought about what you'll do in 2023? How you will make it better than last year? Every new year is a new opportunity, so I have a great way for you to make the most of this one. This year, resolve to become a better educated American. And the good folks at Hillsdale College have made their amazing online courses free for all who wish to learn. And my challenge to you is just take one of their fantastic courses. You can discover the beauty of the Bible in the Genesis story, or study the writings of C.S. Lewis, or explore the true meaning of America in Constitution 101. There are many more to choose from, and all these self-paced free courses feature Hillsdale faculty and scholars. Visit Dana4FORHillsdale.com and pick one of more than 30 free Hillsdale courses. I hope you'll accept my challenge and resolve to be a more educated American in 2023. Pick whichever course you like at Dana4Hillsdale.com and start your free online course today. That's Dana4FORHillsdale.com. You at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That's a lot. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. And I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. <laughs> you know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. <laughs> but it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed oh, by some of you. Name them. That's what they were saying. Name them. Look. Mm-hmm. They were saying name them. Okay, for, so first off, that was last night at the State of the Union. I got to see that live. Welcome to the show. Your exhausted but bemused curmudgeon sits in the seat with you. And we're going to go through all of this together. But first, before I do that, because I, I have not even had a sip. Because I raced from D.C., 5 a.m. flight, just made it. I literally just made it in time for the broadcast. I got to have a sip of my coffee. Hold up. It's my black. I got to go. Oh, my gosh. It's, you're going to notice the difference immediately. Wait, wait, wait a for it. Mm. jazzy music bed here. Oh, it's my black rifle coffee. It's black and bitter like my soul. God bless America. Okay, now I can start the show. I, Kane knows I got to have my hot and my cold. Guys. So I'm going to tell you, I don't know how to measure this against other State of the Unions because I've only attended one in person. Now, I've watched plenty of State of the Union. But here's what I found interesting sitting up in the gallery because I was surrounded by people who were Democrats and who were Republicans. And I was sitting next to a very wonderful moderate. She was quite lovely. And in the beginning, there were certain things that she would clap for because that's how everybody lets you know in the galleries, just so you know. And that's how everyone's like, mm-hmm, I'm a Democrat, or mm-hmm, I'm a Republican, or mm-hmm, I really care about climate change. I'm going to clap like a seal about climate change. Mm-hmm. They do that to let you know. It's like vir- they virtue signal. It's nonstop, up and down, up and down. I mean, I, it's like, like church. So I noticed, though, especially at this point, I found it interesting that the moderates that I had been able to measure their by moderateness, yeah. By what they were clapping for, they actually rolled their eyes when he said this. And I thought that was very interesting. And I noticed that there were a couple, there were a few moderate Democrats 
on the floor that also did not clap. He really thought he had something there. He thought that, oh, well, look, I converted you. You join me. First off, can we just stop with the whole Social Security thing? I have to be careful how I talk about this because I joke about this. My, because you guys know I, I literally do. I don't, I am so blessed in what I do. I can literally work in my home. And we had, we had Nana come in. This is going to make her mad. Social Security makes her mad. I think anyone who is of that generation gets infuriated about Social Security, and rightfully so, because you're broke. They took it. You remember, maybe you don't. I do. I was in college. The Al Gore, George Bush debate. Well, I'm going to take your Social Security. Security. I'm going to take your Social Security and I'm going to put it in a lockbox. And we're like, what? What he failed to tell you, Al Gore, is that there was no bottom to the lockbox. It just, he put it in there, but it didn't lay on anything because it fell into their coffers. That's what happened to it. And government had the key. Mm-hmm. Social Security is insolvent. It's the, it, they have been robbing from this account for forever. And what Republicans have been saying is very simply, stop it. That's what they've been saying. I actually am further to the right of a lot of people in the Republican Party. Because I think, look, if you, I think the people who paid in the system should get every damn dime back. Every damn dime. We're sitting here giving people paychecks during COVID. And we were sending people money. And would you realize how much of that was stolen? Like a billion some dollars of this has been stolen. We were giving money out to everybody for that, but we couldn't give people back their social security. I'm just saying. So for all the people who paid into it should get every damn dime back. I want all the, everything that I've paid into returned to me. And I think all of the people, like my kids who are now earning like their first paychecks and all this stuff, like in the working world, I, don't, I think they should have the choice as to whether or not they want to pay into the system or not. And that's the thing. When Biden's out there telling everybody, oh, they want to rob your Social Security, what he's saying is that you're going to disrupt the Ponzi scheme because that's what it is. It's a damn Ponzi scheme. Well, we can't make the younger ones pay for the older ones if you give the younger ones an opportunity to opt out. Yeah, because they can do math and they realize that they would earn a hell of a lot more by not giving it to you. Very simply. So this is, and but they say, they say that not giving or that giving the option is somehow robbing someone. And Republicans have never, ever, there has not been a singular damn Republican who has ever said, we're going to end Social Security. Not a one. And some of them are too damn scared to even say they want to privatize it. A lot of them feel that way. They want to privatize it for the people who are starting to pay in. There's nothing wrong with that. I, want, I think it should be done now. But give everything back that everybody's paid into it. That's what Democrats don't like to tell you. I don't know what he thought this theater was. Okay, so from my perspective, when he walked up there, he's super thin now. And he had to lean on that podium. Dude, he's not well. I, and now that I have seen him speak and I was right on his left side, when you looked at him, I was right on the left. I could see everything. You know, he does not move or stand or speak like a guy who's well. He doesn't. I can fully say this with a million percent confidence. And it was just kind of, it was just sort of sad because I feel like he shepherded. He just really shepherded around. Um, it was, you know, it was interesting to see. Even when he was in the very beginning, they, he turns and he hands the speech to the vice president. And then he turns and hands the speech to the speaker of the house. He was just like, he, he had, like, even, it was weird for him to even get the two bound, the, the, the speeches and their little covers over to, it was just weird. So anyway, as you all know, I, uh, Went to D.C. last night. We were, I broadcast from D.C., attended the State of the Union as the guest 
of my Congress person, Beth Van Dyne. It was very interesting. It was, it was, we, we got to see a lot of the Capitol. Um, and I, I, I was, it, it was really rowdy. And I think that's one thing that people are saying that they, they notice this time more than others is that it's rowdy. Now, like I said, I don't have any, having only been to one, I don't have anything to compare that to previously. Did it seem, Kane, to you at home? And I know Lorraine in the chat. Um, I'm curious, because I know we were having some tech issues. Of course we were. It's raining in Texas, so we got tech issues. Mm. Did it seem rowdy to you when you were watching it at home? Like rowdier than you maybe remember previously? I don't know if rowdy. I mean, maybe, maybe. But I remember when Trump was delivering State of the Union and there would be roaring applause from Mm -hmm. one side. And then when you would talk about black unemployment would be the lowest ever, the left wouldn't. Oh, the Democrats are like, we're not going to talk about low black unemployment. Exactly. We don't like black Americans having they jobs. Sat well, on their we're hands. sitting on our hands. Absolutely sat on their hands. It's weird. So it is, it's, I don't know if rowdy is the right way to put it. I think it was, uh, mm-hmm. it was lively. Yeah, it's a very, it was very lively. And I was fascinated by, it because it, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene had yelled, there were, there were, it, were, it wasn't just her. Please know that it was not just her. There were, I can't even tell you how many there were that had actually said something. Remember when, uh, was it Joe Wilson had said, you lie? Or, and, and yeah, there's, so there's, yeah. Uh, nobody took anything in. There were no white balloons in. They were very strict about things. So I had no issue with my watch, but they were very strict about things there. But it was, it does, it does seem, uh, it did seem very rowdy. I thought his speech was crazy as hell. Can I just, it was nuts. And they had such a problem with the audio in the chamber because he could not keep a consistent strength of voice. So when you see him, when he whispers and then gets into mumbling and all of this, it's exactly as you saw it. It, 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 But being there, he would mumble so much, they would have to turn up the volume. Because he started mumbling and he would, and then they turn up the volume and then he started talking normal again. And then all of a sudden he chose to, I guess, emphasize something by yelling randomly. And then it blew all your eardrums out. And then they'd have to ride the knobs again. It was wild. He could not keep a consistent tone. He, dude, he's just not, he's, I don't think he's fit for office. I can, I can say that having sat there and stared at him for over an hour. He is, just not, and I would say that Republican or Democrat, he's just not well. He's not healthy. He's not a healthy dude. I mean, the way he was grasping the podium and all this, I mean, he's just not a healthy dude. So that's one of, that was kind of a difficulty because he, there's certain things that he would say, and I knew what he was talking about, but other people who maybe aren't as nerdy on the issue, uh, they wouldn't quite understand because they couldn't make out or assume that that's what he was saying. So it was difficult for some of the people in the chamber. So there were a couple of points. I loved the fact that he got called out on that. And as I said, his speech was crazy because he went in at one point, he started talking about guns and then the border, but oh my gosh, abortions. He just couldn't, he was all over the place, all over the place. So I 
wanted to, because we're going to get into all of it. We're going to get, I'm just going to give you kind of like my perspective having been there. We're going to play, we're going to go look at the weirdest moments of this. We're going to also look at the response, media spin. And then we got that Hunter Biden laptop oversight hearing happening. I got some bits for you for that as well. I got a whole bunch of other stuff for you. So it's a super packed show. I took a 5 a.m. flight. I'm raring to go. I've on three hours of sleep because you had to wait in the gallery to leave. And there were some Democrats who were in the gallery who were pissed that they could not leave. They wanted to be walk out immediately. And I'm just sitting there hanging in my chair. I do not get ruffled. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, they ain't going to let you out because POTUS is on the floor, you moron. Sit down. You know, what, what is your problem? You knew this going into it. You should have assumed. I mean, how many times have you been into something like this? I never been to one of them. And I know that this is pretty much, you know, standard operating procedure. They ain't going to let you go while POTUS is on the floor. And some of them were really mad. Like, we need to go. Where are like in part at? I'm like, no, you're not. You got to have somebody pick you up from the gallery like a damn daycare. You're not important. So by the time we actually left, it was like, I mean, 45 minutes after the speech had concluded, we were able to leave. So it was a late, it was a late night. And I'm just like wound up to the nth degree. Okay, so I wanted to play, this is a favorite moment, audio soundbite one, because he started talking about climate and oil and electric and all of this. And this was a funny moment. Listen. When I talk to a couple of them, they say, we're afraid you're going to shut down all the oil wells and all the uh, oil refineries anyway, so why should we invest in them? I said, we're going to need oil for at least another decade, and that's going to exceed <laughs> and beyond that. We're going to need it. Mm-hmm. He starts laughing. I mean, they all laugh, because it's true. It's hysterical. For at least another decade. Only a decade? Oh, I mean, at least another. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but, you know, at least another decade. So we are going to get in, like I said, we have so many things to get into. And plus, Yoel Roth is testifying. Again, this is, you got, you have, you have his, uh, t- his testimony that he had given. Uh, we have a whole bunch of other stuff uh, for more files. We got all, it's a crazy day and we're going to go through all of it with you. How do you say I love you? With flowers, chocolate, can jewelry really express true love? Because in the end, they all fall short. The only thing that can completely communicate the depths of your affection this Valentine's Day is meat. And not just any meat, though. Over 85% of grass-fed beef sold is imported from overseas. Ew. And that's why it has to be Good Ranchers 100% American hand-trimmed steakhouse quality meat delivered directly to your door. Right now, get $30 off any box from Good Ranchers with code DANA. This gift is sure to add some sizzle. Whether on the grill or in a pan, nothing simmers like prime cuts of beef, pasture-raised chicken, and premium quality seafood. Visit GoodRanchers.com and ditch the usual boring gifts that just don't cut it. Say I love you with American meat instead. Snag your $30 off with code Dana at GoodRanchers.com today. Love is in the air and it smells just like, you guessed it, Good Ranchers. Save $30 on your unique gift this Valentine's Day by visiting GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet. What's the biggest factor hovering over the American economy? It's foreign policy. Between Chinese surveillance and Russian aggression, these geopolitical concerns are huge risks to our financial markets. How should you react? The Watchdog on Wall Street explains. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. The death toll from the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, it's past 11,000. I read the story of a woman who went into labor in the rubble. She did not make it, but her baby did. And I saw a video of them actually, like, moving giant rocks 
and rebar to get to actually help her deliver. It was one of the craziest videos I've ever seen. Uh, pretty harsh. Uh, but search teams from more than two dozen countries have joined tens of thousands of local emergency personnel. De- the death toll has passed 11,000. Uh, they said that they're still searching for signs of life. They've been able to rescue a number of people, but the fact that the confirmed fatalities are already 11,000 when they're still rescuing people right and left is is wild to me. Uh, but they it say they said that it's the worst in goodness. Uh, I mean, a long time. It's just awful, horrible. Uh, also, this a little more lighthearted. I mean, I don't blame... He's in jail. So, you know, you forfeit this stuff when you're in jail. So an Atlanta man tried to smuggle drugs, phones, and chicken wings into jail. Now, the drugs part, no. The phones you can't have. But chicken wings, dude, I feel you all day long. Uh, he was alleged, He was arrested for using a broken window at DeKalb County Jail to deliver items like narcotics, tobacco, cell phones, chicken wings. Like, did you Uber eat some chicken wings up to your prison window? Is that how this works? The uh, Michael Anthony Dixon, he was... Um, charged with crossing a guard line with weapons, intoxicants, drugs without consent, criminal trespass, possession of marijuana, possession of cocaine with uh, intent to distribute. And uh, he was stopped outside. Finally, he got stopped out. And they said they're going to prosecute him. Full sticks into the law. In fact, one bag he had contained cocaine, packs of cigarettes, lighters, marijuana, ear pods, hex keys. What's a hex key? I don't even know what a hex key is. Is that like a prison thing? I don't know. Glue gel, glue gel, sweets, jewelry, charging cords, and cooked wings. So he's like really serious and itemized. You know, that's kind of, okay, that's kind of wild. And uh, teens are falling more for online scams than seniors. And I am made of LOLs. Stay with us. We got more in store on Sodu. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. America's rallying the world to meet those challenges from climate to Um, okay, this was a very confusing part of the State of the Union address for us all. Welcome back to the show. Your lovable curmudgeon, Dana Lash here. You can listen, see to Shining Sea, an affiliate near you. You can watch the simulcast YouTube, Facebook, as well as on DirecTV Channel 349 via the first. He, all of a sudden, he was... Because uh, I was trying, I'm, going, I'm looking at the transcript because he was talking about a number of different policy things, and then he just like launches in. This was around the time he noticed uh, or gave acknowledgement to the ambassador from Ukraine, who was for the second time uh, a guest of the first lady at the State of the Union, 
And it was weird because all of a sudden, I just, you can tell he's just doing it scripted. He's not feeling the emotion. He's not because he's talking normally. And then I just decide to do that. At break. Because there were three hardcore Democrats sitting in front of me in the gallery. Uh, they were very polite, but they were hardcore Democrats up and clapping and, you know, yes and yes and mm-hmm, all this stuff. But when he did that, it even took them aback. They looked at each other and one of them kind of looked back up at me like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I don't know either. It was weird. It was so weird. But what is what was his point, though? Let's go. I mean, who, get, name me. What did he say? Name me one. Name me one leader who would trade spots with Xi Jinping. I think you want to, dude. Uh, Joe Biden? I mean, I think he kind of would. That was a weird moment. A very weird moment. Um, I just... Oh, and then he and then there was this audio soundbite seven. I want to go. I want to go through some of my favorite moments because there were times when we were all just like, "Oh, that was awkward." When he struggled with this word, listen. You finally give me Medicare, the power to negotiate drug prices, bringing down, bringing down prescription drug costs doesn't just save seniors' money; it cuts the federal deficit by billions of dollars. By hundreds of billions of dollars. Because these prescription drugs are drugs purchased by Medicare to make, keep their commitment to the seniors. Well, guess what? Instead of paying four or five hundred bucks a month, you're paying 15. That's a lot of savings for the federal government. And by the way, why wouldn't we want that? Now, some members here are threatening... And I know it's not an official party position, so I'm not going to exaggerate. But certainly to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. I just want him to say the word. Otherwise, I'm not playing 60 seconds of this. Just get to the damn word. I'm not going to sit here and play it. I mean, good grief. Make anything to raise the cost of prescription jobs, I will veto it. But he couldn't say prescription. That's what we got. We didn't actually hear it, but that's because the soundbite was too damn long. But that's what he was. That's what he's saying. There were a couple of things that he did that with as well. Okay, this is the part where I I was very civil. I was very polite. But if there was a part where I did... Well, actually, okay, I lied. To, no, I was civil and all that. That's still, you know, that's there. That happened. I was very civil. I was very polite. There were two parts, not just one, where I was just like, Mm-mm, you know, I actually maybe very quietly to myself more than anyone else verbalized, Okay. This was one of them because he was he had he was getting ready to introduce Tyree Nichols parents. And I get that when you're trying to connect with your audience, you are you want to take something from your life and use that as sort of a common factor with which to empathize or identify or acknowledge something with someone else. But he is a weird duck. And this was not the comparison that I would have made. This is audio soundbite four as he's leading up and he's talking about Tyree Nichols and uh, the Nichols family who were there in the first lady's box. Listen. Most of us in here have never had to have the talk 
the talk that brown and black parents have had to have with their children. Bo, Hunter, Ashley, my children, I never had to have the talk with them. I never had to tell them if a police officer pulls you over, turn your interior lights on right away. Don't reach for your license. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Imagine having to worry like that every single time. Mm. And he mentioned his son, and then he started talking about Hunter and Bo. And he's like, well, you know, I've, ta- I've had this talk with Hunter. And, you know, I told... Oh, my... Guys, okay, guys. And I just went, are you kidding me? That's what I had said when I was sitting in there. <sighs> There's so many things to... Where do I even start? He's, he's going to try to act as though he ever felt fear for any kind of consequence for Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden... Is can throw guns and trash cans across the street from schools and nothing happens to him. How in the hell are you going to use him as a comparison for better po- with Tyree Nichols for better policing? Hunter Biden lied on a forty four seventy three, and as far as I know, the ATF who was there at Shot Show going down and knocking on the tables of all the mom and pop, uh, pop the the booths that they had on the steerage level. Uh, Hunter Biden's never run afoul of the ATF for lying on a forty four seventy three. When he wrote in his memoir that he was all cracked out at the same damn time that he bought his gun. He doesn't have to worry about consequences. Spare me this whole, well, I tell him, you know, if an officer pulls you over, if an officer pulls you over, son, you just run and gun it because you're a Biden. I mean, that's honestly probably what he told him. When has this crackhead ever met accountability? He gets cushy jobs for which he is so ridiculously wholly unqualified, it it begs reason. He makes millions of dollars from his dad's position. They leverage his dad's elected position to get more millions of dollars. And Joe Biden wants to act as though that at any point ever he was worried about this kind of situation for his baby-something 50-year-old Hunter Biden? Nobody believes this. I have never seen a more entitled, nouveau riche, white trash family in my life. I'm just saying, they have more problems than any other stereotype they try to make of any Appalachian or Ozark family. I'm just saying. I mean, it's wild. That made me mad. To actually sit here and say, well, my son Hunter, dude, your son Hunter... He like uh, he you had to help him pay for his hookers. He smokes crack, does all kinds of drugs, uh, ran around with Bo's. Uh, de- what is it? One of his like uh, his government badge when he was uh, uh, was it AG in Delaware ran around with his badge in a rental car drunk and cracked out. I mean, for the love, if he was anybody else, he would have already he would have al- he'd have been in jail sitting here using that as. So I did tell you they were going to talk about insurrection, right? So I saw in the box, I was right next to Jill Biden's box. So I got to see Bono, whose hair is a very different color now. And he was next, he was sitting right next to Paul Pelosi. So Bono was sitting right next to Paul Pelosi, who looked like, um, who's that uh, composer? Leonard, was it Leonard Bernstein? He always wore the hat. Yeah, he looked like that. And then he was all, so Bono was between Paul Pelosi and then the guy who stopped the Monterey killer uh, and, and disarmed him. So he was sitting right in between them. And so Paul Pelosi's in the box, right? Now, can I, let me just, let me, 
you're going to see where I'm going with this in a second. When the president of the United States walks up and he's there at the podium, he has the first lady's box like to his nine o'clock, right? I was right at his uh, eight o'clock. He has the first lady's box at his nine o'clock. And then before him, you have the Senate, you have members of Congress, you have your cabinet, because I saw Merrick Garland and Alejandro Mayorkas, and they were all up clapping like seals for everything he said. And then I saw the uh, Gen- General Milley was there walking around, Toady, uh, with the joint, he was there with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And then you have the Supreme Court. Now, Clarence Thomas was not there, nor, nor was Sonia Sotomayor. Supreme Court does not have to attend. You don't have to attend. Um, but all of the other, all the other justices were there, including Brett Kavanaugh. He's sitting up there. Brett Kavanaugh's in the front row, right there in the floor, probably within stage whispering distance of Joe Biden. While Joe Biden was gearing up to make this thing of Paul Pelosi, not at any time did the words come out of his lips, the attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice by a crazy leftist who was arrested going to murder Kavanaugh and his family. At no point did he mention that. But he did say this, and I told you he was going to do this. This is audio soundbite five. Listen. This very room on January the 6th, and then just a few months ago, an unhinged big lie, assailant unleashed a political violence, the home of the then Speaker of the House of Representatives, using the very same language the insurrectionists used as they stalked these halls and chanted on January 6th. Here tonight in this chamber is a man who bears the scars of that brutal attack, but is as tough and as strong and as resilient as they get. My friend Paul Pelosi. Paul, stand up. But you have Brett Kavanaugh, who was the head of an attempted assassination on him sitting right there in the front row and he didn't acknowledge him. Maybe it's because then he would have to have, he would have maybe perhaps called into question the good judgment of Chuck Schumer who said, you're going to pay Brett Kavanaugh on the steps of the Capitol. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, that I knew, I knew he was going to do that. And this, you know, Oh, he was an insurrection. But what gets me though is so okay, David DePape, we talked about this, blah, blah, blah. He's super leftist, BLM flag, every all his, you know, significant others lefty, all his friends lefty, everyone said he was a lefty, 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 lefty. So wait, was he like a J six guy who went and hit Pelosi with a hammer? I don't understand. Like why what a reach. What a lame reach. <sighs> Crazy. I have a whole bunch for you. Also coming up, AOC has a complete and total meltdown in this House oversight hearing, specifically about a multitude of conservative accounts on Twitter, talking about uh, libs of TikTok, and then Yoel Roth, wait until you hear his doublespeak. It is wild. These are audio soundbites, video you do not want to miss, and we're going to have that for you as well. Coming up, we also have that Republican response, and we'll dissect that. 
Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Resolve now to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. Shooting down woke culture, one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. Uh, additionally, Ms. Navaroli, are you familiar with the account Libs of TikTok? I have heard of it from the news, yes. Um, Mr. Roth, are you familiar with this account? Yes, ma'am, I am. Are you aware from, that from August 11th to August 16th, that account posted false information about Boston Children's Hospital, claiming that they were providing hysterectomies to children. Yes, I am aware of that and other claims from the account. And are you aware that this lie was then circulated by other prominent far-right influencers? Yes. And are you aware that all these claims, uh, which I have reiterated, were false, culminated in a real-life harassment and ultimately a bomb threat to the Boston Children's Hospital. Yes, I am aware. And this account is still on that platform today, isn't it? Regrettably, yes, it is. Despite inspiring a bomb threat due to the right-wing incitement of violence against trans Americans in this country, because they cannot let go of this obsession with fixating violence and inciting violence against trans and LGBT people, in addition to immigrants, in addition to women of color. This is a party that cannot pick on anyone their own size. Well, this is just, she's really unhinged. She really, I think, has emotional issues. AOC does. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here. And she also loves attention. People, by the way, when everyone sits here and talks about GOP hecklers, you know what the media doesn't mention? I was there. I saw it. Her and the squad sitting in the back of the, uh, the on the, uh, the uh, in the floor in the back, constantly like all throughout the whole damn speech. So first off, everything that AOC is saying here, she's trying to incite violence against uh, libs of TikTok because libs of TikTok, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum. They didn't lie. Boston Hospital had it on their website. There are screen caps galore. They've admitted it. So all libs of TikTok ever did was simply show what they people already published publicly. AOC is just mad because her side is so stupid that they overshare and they put absolutely everything out there and it makes them look like freaks. That's your issue, not anybody else's. I mean, I just I just kind of think it's weird that a grown woman is who is childless is obsessed with other people's children and mutilating them. I find that weird. And then trying to suggest that, I mean, really, by accusing someone falsely of trying to incite violence are you not in a way doing the very thing that you're accusing them of 
she's not the brightest bulb in the box for sure. But that was, and then she has Yoel Roth there in front of her from, you guys know, from Twitter. So speaking of that, the House Oversight uh, Committee has been having some very interesting Q&A today. And we're going to bring you some of that here coming up on our second hour, which is on the way. We also are going to get into some of the Republican response to State of the Union. What did you think of Sarah Huckabee Sanders' response? Because I didn't get to watch it live and I've only seen parts of it. We're going to talk about that as well. we got a lot still on the plate. Stick with a second hour of The Dana Show. Back after this. Caltech Innovation is back to back. You've heard me talk about Caltech's P50 pistol. Now here comes the new 9mm P15 carry pistol. Quality engineered, the 9mm P15 carry pistol is the lightest, thinnest of its kind in Caltech's first striker fire handgun. And as another first, the P15s feature a totally unique patent pending 15 round extended magazine. Now other features include ambidextrous grip, safety, reversible mag release, and the hybrid fiber optic night sights with fully adjustable rear that all comes standard it's from Keltec, inventors of subcompact polymer and now metal handguns the p15's gator grip texture on the polymer version increases stability and makes for easy accurate handling while the all metal version offers comfortable but positive traction and a really beautiful wood grip panel the p15 is the dependable firepower you need to secure your world see the new nine millimeter p15 first up close and personal at keltecweapons.com that's k-e-l-t-e-c weapons.com Today, we had to, to decide whether a particular piece of content equated to yelling fire in a crowded theater. My work at Twitter and subsequently at Twitch Wow. So this comes from a Twitter official, a former Twitter official, Navaroli is her last name, who was speaking to the House Oversight Committee along with Yoel Roth and she's literally citing a Supreme Court case that was overturned of like what sixty some odd years ago, I think. That saying that that's their their standard of measure in determining censorship of content for the government, essentially. Welcome back to the program. Top of our second hour here, Dana Lash with you. You can listen from sea to shining sea, ladies and gents. On an affiliate near you, you can stream the show. You can also watch the simulcast of the radio program on Facebook, YouTube, uh, or on DirecTV Channel 349 as well through the first through the first app as well. Uh, and yes, yeah, so we're going to continue talking more about the State of the Union, but I also don't want this to get buried. I was at the State of the Union last night, caught a 5 a.m. flight back in our Dallas studio, and Washington, I know they would love to bury all of this stuff with State of the Union stuff, but I just had to, this was a ridiculous soundbite and here you have these twitter hearings talking about the laptop and twitter and the suppression of said laptop on twitter and we're going to get to that aspect of it but you have these this twitter official saying that the exact standard that they use to justify suppressing content i would say censor content because they're acting as agents of state on direction of government is fire in a crowded theater this is a moronic justification, and this uh, individual, Navaroli is her last name, should be embarrassed at her own ignorance. Let me explain, because I feel like we need to do this every now and then, especially because leftists love... First off, why do leftists celebrate censorship so much? I thought these people used to be the free speech people. You're literally citing a case that was around censorship. That's what this case was. It was U.S. v. Shank. It was back when 
goodness, how many years ago? 90 some odd years ago? Mm-hmm. Oliver Wendell Holmes was Supreme Court. Uh, he was, he was uh, Chief Justice Supreme Court. And this dictum has been used as some of the stupidest justification for censorship yet. And, and dicta meaning there's no binding authority. It's an analogy. And, and this case also, by the way, was overturned like in the 60s. Bradenburg v. Ohio overturned this case, U.S. v. Shank. Now, what did U.S. v. Shank? This was a case that was about uh, censorship, actual censorship. You had a guy who wanted to distribute anti-war uh, materials, propaganda during a time of war, which... The government was saying this is, you know, it's a, it's bad for national security, etc. And they, they, they actually infringed on Shank's First Amendment rights with this, and that's why it was overturned. You know, all those years later, they're citing just, to, they're trying to use an overturned case on horrible logic as justification for censorship. Now the thing is, is that first, this is a stupid analogy. You sure as hell can scream fire in a crowded theater. You're not prevented from making the sound with your throat, from from articulating the words with your mouth. You absolutely can. If there's a fire, you can shout fire in a crowded theater. If there isn't a fire, you can shout fire in a crowded theater. This is why the free speech phrase is used. Are you free from liability if it's done maliciously? So when we talk about protected speech, what are we talking about? We're talking about speech that is protected from litigation. Speech where no one can go after you in a court of law for your speech. And there's, there's a lot of speech. It's very, these cases are very difficult for good reason. So you're not prevented in saying anything. This was never binding law. What he, what, what Oliver Wendell Holmes, his dictum here, this was never, ever binding law. And by the way, this case had nothing to do with fires in theaters or theaters or fires or anything of the sort. They were going after this guy. And this is the only time I'm ever going to say I'll speak out for a damn socialist, damn dirty socialist. But it was Charles Shank. He was like a official within the Socialist Party of America, they were trying to get him under the Espionage Act because he was distributing anti-war propaganda that was arguing against the draft back during World War I. And he didn't call for uh, violence. He didn't call for anything like that. He didn't even tell people to disobey it. He didn't do any of that. Uh, that's, I mean, that's... But this was an analogy, the... Fire in a crowded theater was just like this offhanded analogy that Holmes made before they even, before he even issued the ruling for the court. And his whole point in doing that was that the, and I think it was a stupid way for him to explain it. He was say, he was simply saying that the First Amendment is not absolute because there are certain unprotected, like, first off, slander, libel, defamation. These are unprotected forms of speech, meaning you can certainly do it and engage in it, 
But are you going to be protected in a court of law from doing so? And one of the reasons why the bar is so high in litigating these cases is because the precedent that they establish, well, like we see with this stupid U.S. v. Shank case, even though it's been overturned, you still have moronic officials going before the House Oversight Committee trying to justify censoring for the government people on Twitter citing this stupid moronic case. That's why the bar is so high. No, it had nothing to do with any of that. It was just a, this thing before he issued the court's holding. That was it. And they wanted to go after this guy under the Espionage Act. And it was just, you know, government criticism. That's all it was. He didn't incite anything. Not at all. But this is where you have these people, and I'm not surprised, honestly, to see officials from Twitter use this. You have all of these, these censorship cheerleaders. They love bringing this out. And using this phrase as a way to justify censorship. Oh, well, here are the limits of your First Amendment right. It's, there was a really good piece, I'm going to pull this up, where I can't believe I'm citing them. But every now and then I will, oh gosh, I can't believe I'm citing, but I will every now and then. It was a really good piece by Gabe Rotman over at, and I'm going to try to make this, these word sounds, ACLU. But they said that it was worse than useless in defining boundaries of constitutional speech. When used metaphorically, it can be deployed against any unpopular speech. There you go. It is garbage reasoning. Garbage reasoning. And what's weird, too, and I think it was reason that had the history on this, where later on after he issued that opinion, Holmes actually dissented in a similar case, Abrams v. United States. And so it's almost like he knew that this is, it it was weird. He like, he started leaning towards free speech. Ultimately, like I said, Brindenburg v. Ohio overturned this. It is, it is a stupid, it's stupid, lazy uh, justification for people who aren't smart enough to, and you can't defend censorship, but they're not smart enough to do it any other way than with this completely debunked and idiotic crutch. And they should be publicly ridiculed. And I wish that someone would have, I hope someone, if that woman comes up for questioning again, she deserves to be publicly ridiculed for being so ridiculous and using this moronic dictum as some sort of justification for censorship. See, this is why education is important to liberty. It makes me, I'm so tired of hearing it. And you know what? It makes me even angry when I see people use it as a way to justify being shameless agents of state. <sighs> so... I think I checked, I can't believe I, that Shank is like the only socialist I think anybody ever spoke up in in defense of. Only for that. Always defend free speech, though. And that's the consistency. That is the consistency. So a few other, because this is is ongoing, and I had, um, let me pull this up, because we had a really interesting soundbite from Yoel Roth, where this is some double plus ungood doublespeak. I mean, I, I, he's been asked about the uh, Twitter, uh, the Twitter suppression of this and that. What audio soundbite is this? We need to put these in bigger, other colors. I think we have it up on the because it's going on right now. Yeah, it's ongoing right now. If we could, if we could, yeah, let's get, here it is. If we could get this. So this is Yoel Roth. Now remember, he used to be Twitter's head of safety. This is what he had to say in our conversation about free speech. Listen to what he says about free speech here. This is ridiculous. Look, 
A free speech absolutist might say, yes, that kind of content is unpleasant, but it's not against the law. What right do you have to remove it? The answer is the need to make Twitter an appealing product for millions of people. Consistently, in its own research, Twitter found that users were unhappy with the company's approach to content moderation and that this dissatisfaction drove people away from the service. This has consequences for what we mean by free speech on social media. Again and again, we saw the speech of a small number of abusive users drive away countless others. Unrestricted free speech, paradoxically, results in less speech, not more. Oh, well, that's ridiculous. That is some double plus ungood, wild. Uh, and that's and I cannot stand when people over enunciate to the point where it is annoying. I can't stand that. You don't sound more informed. So he's saying that, well, the reason that we don't have, you know, we can't have complete free speech is because, you know, uh, that it is it ultimately results in less free speech. Yeah, sure. If if somebody isn't on Twitter, are they not then allowed to speak freely? Yeah. I mean, this is the argument he's making. If they're not on Twitter, somehow that's less free speech, which is completely false. Completely false. I I mean, that's just really um shock. I mean, it's just it's not shocking, but now we're seeing it all out in the open what gets me is there and i'm looking at because this is all happening right now i'm i'm looking at um and at one point in this oversight hearing james comer because there was a q a where yoel roth also had to uh explain how oh, he, and he got into well people were, were calling other people nazis and all this stuff and um you know uh, and so we were suspending accounts basically because of that james comer brought out a massive poster board where yoel roth was calling everyone else nazis oh man we're gonna play some of this oh we gotta save it because this is chef's kiss guys chef's kiss it really is. It is free speech. And I will say this. This is the private company, private company. The private company is acting as an agent of state and they're trying to hide the behind the veneer, the veneer of, oh, well, we're still a private company, but yet you're acting as an agent of state. That is still censorship. That's censorship. The end. We have more. We have headlines on the way as well and you don't want to miss. It's a pack show today. Pack show. We appreciate you rolling with us because all these hearings are still ongoing. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. This is a weird story. It came from NBC, and it says Colgate Palmolive. So that's like the the hand, so, the dish soap people, right? Uh, they've recalled 4.9 million units of Fabuloso multipurpose cleaner, citing a risk of exposure to bacteria. So Fabuloso, multi-purpose cleaner, and they said it's exposure to bacteria. Wait, wait, it's a... I'm curious, because it's like a dish soap thing, right? They said five different scented versions are affected, and that it was related to a manufacturing issue in which a preservative wasn't added. See, that's wild. Even preservative or your dish soap to keep the bacteria from growing? Okay, all right. I think I guess I've seen it all then. I just, I thought I've never, I don't know. 
Uh, taking sleeping pills increases your risk of dementia, especially if you're white. I don't know. This is what the thing says. It's uh, University of California, San Fran, so maybe they only studied white people. I don't know. They said that um, sleeping medications, all of them, and antidepressants, all of them, can increase the risk of developing dementia, particularly amongst you white people. All the white people. So can it have you? Yeah. Yeah. So that's... I mean, melatonin works. Do people just really actually have to take... I mean, obviously, too much anything's bad, but... Man, just take a pop of melatonin and take some magnesium, right? Just, like, don't be messing with that stuff. Good grief. Uh, the uh, Indiana Senate passes a bill to legalize throwing stars. Now, Kane, you mocked this because you said priorities. But, I mean, yeah, why wouldn't it be legal? It's not legal? I mean, to not... You can't, like... Some I love this. This this is hysterical because Linda Rogers, she's one of the lawmakers backing the proposal. She goes, hey, look, if we can throw axes, we can certainly throw throwing stars. Uh, I like her reasoning. Well-reasoned, lawmaker. Well done. Yeah, they, it's, it's, I did not realize that that was like a hotly contested thing. Like what you could and couldn't throw. Okay. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, hot tubs just, just confirms what I thought that they're gross, uh, especially public ones, because you are getting in, according to a new study, uh, all ki- it's basically bacteria, feces, urine, and fungi. Fungi, sorry. That's disgusting. They're just giant people soup. That's all it is. It's people soup. It's gross. Stay with us. Your one stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. So a cashier at a burger place can't walk across town and take the same job at another burger place and make a few bucks more. It just changed. But they just changed it because we exposed it. That was part of the deal, guys. Look it up. Mm, yeah, so that's, that was another Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, mom, Foxtrot moment last night from the State of the Union Address. And we still have the Republican response coming up and a few other things to get to as well. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of our second hour. So I am... Uh, I'm just... It's kind of cringe to see how so far removed he is from the average working man because people at fast food restaurants don't sign like contracts and they don't have non-competes. Oh my gosh. And as someone who's worked in restaurants when I was starting out, it was one, like some, one of my first jobs. Uh, yeah, you don't, I could have left, I could have left the hula hands and I could have walked across the street to the TGI Friday's cane and I could have went and I could have been serving food over there. There was no non-compete. Do you, does he know how like the entry-level jobs work? Does he understand how this happens? Because that's not what, oh my gosh. So he wants the government to get involved in, 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 in mediating contracts, like everybody. So you're going to have like the, Bi- so Biden wants to be the agent for the people, right? Hey, is he going to hook us up with like some super sweet, Hunter Biden kind of payoffs? Like, do we get that kind of stuff? I'm just curious. So this was one of the dumber moments of the State of the Union address. It really was. And I just, I don't, I mean, isn't that what you got from it? Oh, yeah. You never, did you ever work in food service? Uh, No, just grocery did you have that, a non-compete? That was as close. Did you have no. to sign a big old giant fatty fat contract <laughs> no, and have until, a non-compete? Not until I started working for radio stations did I get a non-compete. Yeah. See, 
And even then, I mean, you just the government does not belong in contractual dis- in any kind of contractual dispute. Chris Ruddy should take that to heart. So I just don't understand his whole point here. Now, someone was trying to argue with me on social media and say, oh, well, that's, you know, he wasn't talking about that. He meant other things. Well, he said fast. He was talking about burgers. Yes, he did. What was he talking about, genius, if not the thing that he said with his mouth? Just completely tone deaf. So entirely, completely tone deaf. I don't get it. The government does not belong in contractual disputes or contractual, any negotiations at all whatsoever. Now, I get that there are some in the conservative media who think that the Biden way is the great way. That's the way to do it. I mean, I get that there's apparently like this new development within conservative media where if we don't get a a contract that goes our way, then we want to lobby members of Congress to get the government involved and force businesses to enter into unfavorable deals. I see that, you know, some, I mean, there were probably some, I I mean, I'm going to be shocked if I see certain networks actually criticizing this aspect of Biden's speech, considering that we all know their position on bringing government into get involved in business contracts, which isn't a conservative position. So, I just, that was a moment where I went, what? I actually did. So that was a moment where in the gallery, I went, what? And I didn't even think, I just went, what? And other people were like, wait, what is it? Was it, okay, let me ask this. So being in the gallery, different attention than watching it on TV. Was it weird that he, it's like he went from bam, 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 like this to, uh, he talked for a second about guns and he went, boom, right into immigration and then into abortion. And there was no segue. It was just jarring. Did you get that impression? Yeah. It So it was not just me. Nope. I, I thought I was being hypercritical, maybe. Nope. And I know that sometimes, I mean, it was rare, but he went off script a couple few times. So I think. Oh, that, you could tell when he went off script. Yeah, you could totally tell. And I think that's when some of the, uh, you know, rushing subjects together was happening. But mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it, it's not. It was kind of, that was funny. That was, that was, yeah. So I have, let me pull this up because I want to make sure that I'm getting in. So we had the Republican response as well. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave that. Now, I have have only seen, I didn't get to watch it in full. I've only seen clips of it because, you know, the response comes after the State of the Union. And I was in the gallery for State of the Union. Can't have any devices. And then you had to wait till POTUS left the floor and then got away from you know the the entrance before they would allow people to leave the gallery so by the time i got to where i could watch it she was just wrapping up that's how i know so every it seemed like she got from what i've seen she was very focused laser focused and she was very chill because i thought she would be she's just not someone who i think i don't think she gets ruffled i really don't and I wanted to, because she had, uh, like, well, I think 12 is maybe one of my favorites, because I, I watched this. I did see, this is one of the clips I saw, and I did like this. This was just, this is the one that immediately stuck with me. This is part of the Republican response from Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So forgive me for not believing much of anything I heard tonight from President Biden. 
from out-of-control inflation and violent crime to the dangerous border crisis and threat from China. Biden and the Democrats have failed you. They know it, and you know it. The only thing I would have d- Republicans do differently is have other people in the room with her. I think you need, unless you are used to looking down a camera, because I've done this for so long, I can go in a room with no monitor and just a black camera and go. Unless you're used to that, you need to have energy to play off of. And I'm not saying that she didn't have energy. I think it would just change the dynamic in a way where, because it's hard to envision the people in the room that you're talking to in the room with you. And I think that my, I wish that they, I wish that Republicans, I hope that they start, I wish that they would have done that. One other thing that I like, it's the accent. So it's, she's Arkansas, so I got family Southern Missouri, and they got Southern Missouri accent. You dip down, for whatever reason, you get below the lake, and I be dang, the accent changes. I don't know what the water does to it. But there's just something no nonsense. I, forgive me, but I just don't believe it. Just very laid back. There's something no nonsense about it. Now, this, I think, was money. Audio soundbite 13, please. It's a good one. And I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. At 40, I'm the youngest governor in the country. And at 80, he's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state, and he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. Oh! 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 Oh my gosh! Man, so that was good. That's how you do it. That was very good. She's just very, you know... She just very, you're not, you're not going to mess with her. You're not going to. I always liked when she was a uh, press secretary because she'd go out there and it was like she was dealing with a car full of kids. And she never got flummoxed. She wasn't like trying to put on being nice. She didn't. She just and she knew exactly what she didn't have to even hardly flip or nothing. She just knew it well enough. And she'd. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Now that's next one. Mm-hmm, great. Thank you. They did not know how to take her. They did not, and they didn't try to do, I think the worst hit piece that ever came out on her was someone questioned, was her April Ryan questioned whether or not she made her own pie. And that's the only time that I ever saw Sarah Huckabee Sanders actually push up a, uh, her sleeves to actually maybe swing because you don't ever tell that to a woman. You don't ever question whether or not they made the pie they made. It's a matter with you. It was funny. That was funny. So I have a couple of other cuts because it seemed like, yeah, 14. Audio somebody 14. This is another really good. This is the right message to have, the right tone to have. Listen. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is, your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right. Mm. That was, uh, that's good. 
that is so that's the republican response i thought she did a good job yeah. she did a good job now this is some of the other stuff we're going to be getting into because there was drama on the floor uh mitt romney and we're, we're we'll talk about this coming up mitt romney and george santos mitt romney <sighs> let me just tell you something in my 15 years of doing this the i have just come to discover that the people who wear the biggest crosses and the people who like to flash out their faith the most are some of the meanest people you will ever meet in this industry. I have a joke that I share with my friends. I'm like, the bigger the cross when they do their TV hit, the meaner they usually are in person. And I have never been wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I think that there is, people feel like there's a stereotype that they, if, as long as they go with that stereotype, it gives them pass to be as nasty as they want to be privately. Mitt Romney was always one of the nastiest people. And I've explained before, too, when I was the token conservative at CNN back during 2012, I was never mean and I was not, I wasn't, unnes- I wasn't vicious, I was just honest. And I had difficulty supporting him uh, during the, it, well, the, when they had the primary and everything else going on, I didn't support him in the primary. Uh, because I, like, he, he's the guy who invented Obamacare in Massachusetts. And they, oh, I lost friends in the Republican Party because of that. Uh, which I don't care. Then you're never a friend to begin with. I'm not here to be friends with you. And they, I was right. I was a thousand percent right. And I still am right. But they were mad at, at me for that. The campaign was mad at me for that. And then the person who handled contributors over at CNN had told me that, oh, yeah, the campaign uh, had made a, you know, raised a fit about it. And they wanted me to be on with a Romney surrogate every time I was on. Like actually trying to affect my job. But yet, now today, I bet like he wants to act like he's all aghast at any kind of action of government, you know, government acting like a government agent and suppression with media. I don't know. We're going to talk about that because there was a very interesting little exchange there. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. Miami, Florida woman telling sa- tell- selling sand that Tom Brady was sitting on. What? Yeah, when he he was sitting on it when he retired, and one Miami, Florida woman is looking to capitalize. He shot this. Remember, he shot this retirement video. He's on Surfside Beach in Miami. It's near his house. It was posted everywhere. Uh, but anyway, this woman uh, who is on social media found the spot where he made his retirement video, and she's seen scooping the sand into a bag. And it's the same bag that she's trying to sell on eBay. And the high bid as of like the what I guess Saturday morning was ninety nine thousand nine hundred dollars. I'm not even kidding with I'm not even joking. What do you it's a bag of sand. What do you do with it? It's a bag of sand that somebody sat on. Are you kidding me? What do you think you're going to what do you think she thinks she's going to get off of that? I can't. It's it's Tom Brady's butt sand is what it is. That's literally I think what it's that's so that's so bad. I don't know. There's. Miami landlord doubles rent and a tenant threatens to burn the house down so that nobody gets anything. Uh, that's a real estate investor in Miami. He infor- this guy posted informed a tenant. He posted this video. He informed a tenant that her rent's going up. Uh, and uh, I mean, she was paying like hardly nothing. Apparently, Florida rents have been skyrocketing and she apparently did not want to pay it. They were fighting over it. And he ended up saying, well, then I'll just burn the house down and nobody will get anything. How about that? You happy with that? It's true. See, here's the thing with the CDC moratorium that people had passed. 
that or, or that the not passed, but that the uh, uh, that the president was trying to make law without actually making law. What about the people who own the property? They still have property taxes. They still have insurance. They have all kinds of stuff that they their mortgage. They have all kinds of stuff that they have to pay. So that that's all just that's so ridiculous. You're not you're you're it's like a free ride on someone else's hard work. A Seminole man, Florida man, stole 45 liquor bottles worth uh, $1,200 from Winn-Dixie, say Pinellas County Police. They arrested 51-year-old John Bylock for an alleged theft that occurred on October 15th. He purchased two cases of beer, and then he also got a cart carrying dozens upon dozens of liquor bottles. And then he apparently purchased the two cases of beer, but then came back to grab the cart holding he just like he he put it in the cart and act like he bought all of it so he had 12 crown royal actually no i'm sorry 24 crown royal uh then he had a six crown royal apple dark horse chardonnay pinot grigio and uh, rickoloff deluxe vodka six of those that's crazy and the total was 1282 dollars so he's he's bonded out but why would you i mean you're gonna get caught it's a cart full of liquor it's a cart full of liquor uh, I think we're almost out of time, are we? Because I want to make sure we're getting our cues here. Okay, so also a couple of other things here, and some of these I can't, I can't at all mention. Uh, they're just bad. A couple of other things here. Uh, this woman, Florida woman, said she was going to cook and eat her neighbor. Uh, she stabbed him with an ice pick and then dismembered him. And this is Deltona, Florida. They handle a lot of missing persons cases, but there was a search for a 36-year-old named James Schaefer, and it apparently is now made this Floribama murder series, but they questioned this Florida woman uh, who had met him and didn't like him, and then she was going to kill him and dismember him and eat him up. See, women can, yeah, I'm telling you, not just dudes or serial killers and crazy people. All right, we got a whole bunch more on the way. Third hour of the show. Stick with us. Two weeks ago, during the Lunar New Year celebrations, you heard the studio door close, and you saw a man standing there pointing a semi-automatic pistol at him. He thought he was going to die, but he thought about the people inside. And in that instant, he found the courage to act and wrestle the semi-automatic pistol away from the gunman who had already killed 11 people in another dance studio. 11. He saved lives. It's time we do the same. Ban assault weapons now. Ban them now. That was last night at the State of the Union address. And uh, that was the other part where I was sitting in the gallery and I go, yeah, no. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash with you. Top of our third hour. Good to have you. If you're listening to the radio program across the United States, these fruited plains, or if you are watching the simulcast on YouTube, Facebook, or uh, through the first, or maybe on channel 349, direct TV. Welcome. It's good to be with you. Good to commiserate over all of this. So first up, he, he mentioned, he kept, he said semi-automatic pistol, and then he said ban assault weapons. So that just goes to show you exactly what I've been telling you. He said to, he wants to ban all semi-automatic firearms, regardless of whether or not they're rifles or pistols. That's what he wants to do. He went and talked about a pistol and then mentioned banning and then said to ban all quote-unquote assault weapons, which you can't even define what those are. Again, we've talked about this. I've written two books about it. These are commonly owned semi-automatic 
uh, firearms that are involved in the least amount. And it's criminals, repeat offenders, that his restorative justice that he champions perpetuates, drives the crime rate in every major city, drives the crime rate. So they're not serious. This is an it's an unserious mantra for unserious people who are unserious about doing anything to reduce crime at all. I mean, the fact that, you know, this guy, uh, I mean, apparently had loads of issues. California has red flag laws, all that. Why didn't any of your stuff work? You know, because people actually have to go through the motions of doing it. And because people don't do it, that doesn't mean that you reduce the level of due process. That just means you encourage people to follow the blueprint instead of lowering due process or removing it entirely. Good grief. There's a threshold of liberty here that still applies. I actually was um, shocked that he didn't get into it a little more because I thought he would. Because that's what Democrats always love, but they don't do anything about. I mean, even in their and I say they don't do anything about them because in Democrat run cities, you always have these cities that are always at the bottom of the list for prosecutions for felony crimes uh, or, or firearms carried in the commission of you know felonious activity, something like that. They're always at the bottom of the list. These people are very unserious, as I said. But he wants to ban all semi-automatics. But that was a point where I did. I sat in the gallery and I went oh, for the love. I think for a second after he said it. I bet you could probably freeze the camera and you could probably see me with my RBF up there. So, yeah, yeah, you know. But it was mm-mm, interesting. All right, also interesting, because I have so much here, but I want to get into this drama real quick. Can we get in this drama? I'm so tired of this. This is, um, and we're going to hit more on the Hunter Biden laptop thing. So, this, the Romney-Santos thing. The George Santos thing, I've said my piece on this. This is for the voters to decide. I just think it's entertaining to have conversations with uh, morally empty meat vessels in D.C. about ethics and how they think that you should know they're just aghast at this guy when half of them have done way worse. I mean, you're talking about a legislative body. You're talking about a body of lawmakers who welcomed and championed a guy who legit drove a woman into a pond and left her to die. I mean, for the love. Really? And so Santos, so he lied like Elizabeth Warren about his ethnicity. Right? Or maybe he cosplayed as a, a couple of different roles like Richard Blumenthal did. And? I mean, I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm just saying that Democrats think it's okay. So they can't be outraged about it now because they've done, they've done this. They're holding him lives in Congress. Anyway, Mitt Romney, who I was mentioning earlier, was one of the cattiest dudes ever. He apparently went up and told, what did he tell Santos? Like, you shouldn't be here. Everybody was talking about this after everybody left the gallery. Everybody was talking about this. He went up and told Santos that he shouldn't be there. Well, one of the reporters who was there outside of the uh, chamber got Romney because they had to walk through the statuary hall and all the press was there. That's when they, they, they got Romney on camera and they were asking him about this. Listen to this. I didn't expect that he'd be standing there trying to shake hands with every senator in the president of the United States. It's, uh, what given, is it? given the fact that he's under ethics investigation, he should be sitting in the back row and staying quiet instead of uh, parading in front of the uh, president. And, uh, and-, mm. and 
Did he ever say anything to Harry Reid when Harry Reid was accusing him when he was like, oh, I didn't pay your taxes? Or what about when Biden was calling everybody terrorists or insurrectionists or anything else? I mean, I'm just curious. Did he ever say anything like this to anybody about that? Nope, he didn't. I mean, he's not the bouncer. You're not, dude. You're not. That I don't know. It was like him. He sat with Manchin and Cinema. So Mitt Romney, yeah, he did. He sat with Manchin and Cinema. He did not sit with the other Republicans. He sat with Manchin and Cinema. And that's where and that's where he stayed. But I just thought that was very that was interesting. For all of the accusations too by the left about GOP heckling, I've noticed not a single reporter had anything to say about the squad sitting in the back of the chamber constantly clucking and like talking back and then telling Republicans to shut up and all this other stuff. Have you noticed? I was there and I watched all of it. They were loud. And sometimes they wouldn't shut up enough to where you could hear Biden talk. I'm like, shut the hell up. You're mad about them when they disagree, but you don't shut up throughout the whole speech. It was ridiculous. It was like watching a movie with someone who was super talkity. Golly, I always hate that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Oh, anyway. I, I've not seen any news articles on that at all. None. So we're going to get into, here coming up, we're going to get into more of the um, hearings that are ongoing. I have to talk about this piece too. I saw this yesterday and I just did a face palm. <sighs> I don't know what Trump is thinking, guys. I really don't. So back in, let's see, I don't know couple of years ago them what is it the Midas website it's a big progressive website so when DeSantis was running against Andrew Gillum all the left was they couldn't find a scandal on him and they were trying to so bad they were trying to find something anything that they could use to make Andrew Gillum's oh I passed out in a hotel room with my male escort while my wife and kids were at home and here's pills all over the floor they were trying to do anything that they could to mitigate that damage and ma- reduce how horrible that looked. And they were trying to find scandals, any kind of scandal, on DeSantis at the time. And so it was launched by the Midas or Midas Touch goofballs who are kind of, they're goofy. And all the leftists, they, they launched this attack and they got, let me pull this up, because that's where it started. They found some photo, I think when it was like right after DeSantis graduated, he was like a 20 year old grad and like a 2021 year old grad. And he, this was, I don't even know when this was, this was like, you know, a a couple of decades ago, I guess. And he, there was a, I guess a grad party or something with students and he was pictured with. Uh, a bunch of like some of the graduates he I didn't I mean the picture is blurry and I don't even know they said that one of them looked like it's I guess it's I don't know if it's a beer bottle I guess that's what we're supposed to assume I mean it's so pixelated and so ridiculous I don't know so it's like a I think he was like he was a 20 year old grad and he was with some 18 year old graduates and it was at a I think a grad party at some Georgia school and the Midas touch people pushed that out and said, Oh, here he is partying with underage girls. And the way that they worded it, it was so slimy. They were trying to act like they were minors They're or they're like under 18 years old or something like that. I don't know. And 
when they should have been under the legal drinking age. But they were trying to intimate, oh, under 18. It was so desperate and so stupid. And it never went anywhere because it was dumb. And also the picture literally shows, I mean, you could be, you could have taken a picture. I mean, there's good grief. The New York, it came from the, it, apparently it came from the New York Times first and the Midas Touch put out the thing. So, of course, the left and the New York Times are going to work together. Yeah. What I did not expect to see is the former president of the United States who knows what it's like to be smeared by the New York Times and by groups like Midas Touch and others take their stupid, goofy smear and try to bring it back up and repurpose it as a fresh attack on DeSantis and call him a groomer. That's just dumb. Why do that? I don't want to, I don't like, I don't enjoy having to say this stuff. Why do that? I mean, there's, 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 it's so goofy. And I think it has the opposite intended effect because when I look at this, I don't see that as a tough attack. I see that as, as being insecure about your position and worried about it. And this also, I mean, I know some of the operatives whose websites I have, I, friends and associates that I've known for quite a long time who have uh, created websites that have names similar to other more legitimate websites and they run all their oppo on that and act like they're a legitimate credible conservative news source when it's just literally operatives manufacturing bylines that's all it is and this whole thing start this thick rehash began on one of those websites and i know some of the people behind it and it's all i mean i just it's kind of sad when you see operatives get old and you can immediately tell whose fingerprints are on it because they've lost their touch and that's kind of what i saw here i just think that's weak i don't know i don't think he needs to do this why do you why do this it's just so goofy and so DeSantis, let me pull this up because we had an audio soundbite from him. He didn't respond, respond, but he was asked about it when he was talking about something else. And he said, uh, where is this? Audio soundbite 25. Uh, Listen to this. And I'd also just say this. I spend my time delivering results for the people of Florida and fighting against Joe Biden. That's how I spend my time. I don't spend my time trying to smear other Republicans. I just think that in calling him a groomer and using New York Times smears, that's not, conservatives don't do that. I don't care if you're going up against somebody or if you think you are. I mean, DeSantis seems like he's just doing his job as governor of Florida. I mean, he was just elected. Um, I, I, that, it's really hard to take further criticisms of, quote-unquote, lamestream media and everything else seriously when people situationally use it to their perceived advantage. Okay, if you hate the New York Times and Washington Post because they pushed the bulk of Russian collusion misinformation, why in the ever-loving hell are you using them and citing them to go and attack strong conservatives with stupid, baseless smears? I mean, am I supposed to be offended by this thing with DeSantis? 
a 20 year old dude who it's blurry. You don't even know what the hell. And, and, and apparently stops by a grad party, 18 year olds, and they're calling him a groomer. And Trump puts this out. He's a dad, man. He's got kids. He's got a wife. And you're calling somebody if you're if you're going to start, you can't just basically it, it is such a diminishment of what is actually being fought by parents over their children. If we're going to start diminishing the severity of that by casually tossing it out as a baseless smear against other conservatives, and I have to question the serious commitment to actually fighting that battle on behalf of parents. Maybe it's because I have three hours of sleep. I don't know. But whoever's advising him is a moron. I, they got to stop this. This is ridiculous. Come on, guys. I, I hate that the primary is getting this, this nasty this early. It's so stupid. We have uh, more to come, including these oversight hearings. You don't want to miss them. It's pretty something. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So Saudi Arabia has given what some in foreign policy are calling a middle finger to Biden. They increased a U.S. citizen's sentence by three years, from three years to 19, after the White House condemned his punishment over tweets about Jamal Khashoggi. That's a U.S. citizen named Saeed Almadi. He's seen his time behind bars lengthen by three years now. He was jailed after posting several tweets critical of the Saudi government. His son said the Saudi decision and some others said that, yeah, that seems to be like a kind of a, you know, a diss a little bit of the Biden administration, who I guess apparently was unsuccessful in doing anything to have him extricated. Hmm. Taliban are buying check marks, apparently blue check marks. Uh, some lawmakers, including uh, Ronnie Jackson, Guam delegate James Moylan, and others, have said that tw- Taliban officials are purchasing blue check marks on Twitter, and it's raising concerns, and something must be done. I wonder if that's going to come up in the oversight discussions today. We'll talk about that more next. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's Chapter and Verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. Day, did you talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to then or after that day? I, um, I'm trying to make sure I can answer this question consistent with the restrictions that I talked about in my opening. Simple statement. question: did You yeah. talked to the FBI about the Hunter Biden story. I do, to the best of my recollection, I did not talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden story uh, before that day. Did you talk to him after it. You said your, your, don't your, response is real, your response is real specific to the chairman. You said, I did not talk to the FBI about the Hunter Biden laptop story that day. I assume that day is October 14th. I want to know if you talked to him on the 13th or before, or if you talked to him on the 15th and after. I don't recall speaking to the FBI sitting here today. I don't recall speaking to the FBI at all about the Hunter Biden matter. Well, then why would you answer it the way you did? I beg your pardon? Uh, I yield back to oh. oh, boy. That didn't go well for that dude that was uh, of course jim baker fbi who was in twitter and doesn't recall asking his agency about hunter biden's laptop at all can't answer if he talked with the fbi about the laptop doesn't know anything really about it and he was, he's general counsel of Twitter, Jim Baker is, but he was previously of FBI. Welcome back to the program, bottom of this third hour. And that's been some of the oversight hearing that's been taking place. 
that was obviously Representative Jim Jordan, who's chair there of oversight, and he was asking, uh, this is from earlier, this is in this morning. And the, it's weird because Baker had said that there was, and this is from Politico, that there was no there there in terms of how he handled the laptop as Twitter's top lawyer, which is because that's been, these are the Twitter hearings and people want to know about this laptop story because Twitter was actively censoring this. They were calling it misinformation, Russian misinformation. And so the whole purpose of, excuse me, the hearing today centers around that whole October 2020 incident with the New York Post story being completely suppressed and the story covering all of the the contents that were coming out from the laptop that belonged to Hunter Biden. Now, remember, Twitter had said they reversed their decision and then Jack Dorsey even came out and said it was a mistake, but that's garbage because all the people who had been punished still have a mark on their record. Case in point, you know how they had the the Twitter fact checkers, and they were telling people you can volunteer to be a fact checker. I was like, okay, I'll do it. And they told me that because I had been suspended before, I was ineligible. Why was I suspended? Because I had shared a post that I had written about the tech aspect of the Hunter Biden suppression, the New York Post suppression story. That alone was apparently enough to get me some kind of BS suspension. So they never, ever actually restored the they they never actually restored the full privileges to the accounts that had been punished for sharing a completely true story that they were acting as government agents to suppress. So I don't believe them when I didn't believe Dorsey when he said it was a mistake and they reversed. They didn't reverse jack crap. They didn't reverse anything. And so then it brings us to this question that we just this question and answer that we just played with Jim Jordan and Jim Baker because he can't answer a single thing of it apparently he had said that he was not aware and this is according to and again this comes from Politico and this statement where he says he was not aware and did not engage in any conspiracy he said to do anything unlawful and I was at Twitter etc He said he understands that the committee is interested in the Hunter Biden laptop and Twitter files related to that. And then this is the kicker. He says, indeed, documents that Twitter has disclosed publicly reflect that I urged caution with respect to the matter and noted. And this is again from Jim Baker about the Hunter Biden laptop thing and noted that we needed more information to fully assess what was going on and to decide what to do. Hardly a surprising piece of advice from a corporate lawyer. He says, moreover, I am aware of no unlawful collusion with or any direction from any government agency or political campaign as to how Twitter should have handled the laptop situation. That's his full statement. Uh, Well, you know, I investigated myself and I found nothing wrong. That's ultimately what that just is. He, he didn't, here's the thing with Baker, and this has been noted by the Twitter files that have been out there. He actually said that this was, that, that it was a complete fabrication. That was his direct quote. And in all of the, the discourse, like there's one email that's part of the Twitter files 
uh, Jim Baker, New York Post article, he says, quote, one additional comment. I've seen some reliable cybersecurity folks question the authenticity of the emails in another way, i.e. there's no metadata pertaining to them that has been released in the formatting. looks like they could be complete fabrications. This is October 14th, 2020. He was the one who was arguing amongst, you know, he was like one of the most, one of the loudest people arguing about this and saying that this the way that he he was not this oh i just urged caution he was pushing for suppression and relying upon his experience with the fbi to push suppression it's asinine he does not get away from this and there's there's a whole there's some varying and i'm sure there's going to be even more there's going to be even more things that come out from all of this. And then this is what AC, AOC had to say about it. Audio sound by 26. Listen to this. She's mad that they even have to talk about it. Listen, this is nuts. A whole hearing about a 24-hour hiccup in a right-wing political operation. That is why we are here right now. And it is, it, it's just a, an abuse of public resources, an abuse of public time. We could be talking about health care. We could be talking about bringing down the cost of prescription drugs. We could be talking about abortion rights, civil rights, voting rights. But instead, we're talking about Hunter Biden's half-fake laptop story. Half-fake? Half fake? Which half? Well, yeah, which half is fake? The half that isn't or the half that isn't? <laughs> Fractions are hard. Oh, which, which is it? I mean, it's, they, the FBI confirmed it was real. He admitted that it was his. So there's no half fake about it. We can be talking about abortion. Girl, all we do is talk about abortion. I mean, I get that you don't care about national security and that you're completely fine with the, uh, oh, I love using phrases that they love, the white male Democrat privilege of Hunter Biden to be able to commit all of these 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 offenses and just mean no accountability at all whatsoever and to have your president sell at national security so that he can make billions off of China. I get it. But we're all a little interested in this. It's not just you. The world doesn't revolve around you. Goodness. So I, I mean, we'll see what more comes out of this. But it really does. I, I don't know. The, and then you have the media who was all, all over it. Audio somebody 17, Wolf Blitzer, who I don't know what he watched, but clearly we did not watch the same thing. Listen. You know, Caitlin, uh, I've heard uh, President Biden, going back to his 36 years in the U.S. Senate, deliver a lot of speeches over the years. I've covered him for many, many years. I've gotten to know him a bit. Uh, I think this was the best speech I have ever heard him deliver. Really? He was passionate. It was extremely well written. The he same speech? Did we hear the same speech? Audio soundbite 9, which we also have video. It's a montage of some of the best moments. Is this what, is this what Wolf is talking about? Watch. Listen. That he fulfilled my that constitutional obligation before my, it could be report. verified. In federal infrastructure so projects, it, the economic upheaval of the past four decades. Health insurers now than ever in history came together to pass one in a, gen, one in a generation, once in a generation infrastructure law. You know, another term is, is Senate Minority Leader. Uh, you know, I think you. Uh, and more than, and not no one administration, but for a long time, he gets to go to the the game tomorrow, uh, next week, I have to stay home. The United States of America, 13th, the cowboys in the sky. But I'm still, I, I still get asked to fund the projects in those districts. 
with type 1 diabetes need, these insul- need this insulin to stay alive. This law, so, this law also caps and won't even go into effect until 2025. Electric vehicles and efficient, and efficient appliances, energy efficient appliances. Pass the bipartisan legislation to strengthen, to strengthen antitrust enforcement and, for, and prevent. I may give my personal conversations, which have been many, with President Xi. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. We have them greater access to mental health care at their schools. Proven programs that recruits veterans. Hope over fear. Unity over duty. Stability over Best, one of the best written speeches, says Wolf Blitzer. One of the best. Wow. Squinting. Grandpa Simpson yelling. Yo. What's funny is Wolf Blitzer actually said the best that he's ever delivered. The best speech that Biden's ever delivered. That clearly proves. He doesn't even know Chuck Schumer's the Senate majority, majority leader. Right. That, And then I don't know what he was talking about. Kevin McCarthy just, he was kind of funny. He just sort of slumped over there and had his RBF on. And Kamala Harris needs to stop doing monochromatic everything. And please do not wear a pleated neck and then, like, necklaces over it. Wear an earring. You can't have a busy neckline and then layer it with a gigantic bead necklace. Wear a big earring. I get really, like, wild about it. I just can't. And then, and then there's more. There's... I, like I said, I just thought that was just one of the worst. It was just awkward. He leaned on the podium. And having watched him for over an hour straight, and I was sitting right there on his left side, He there at times he would lean over and hunch. He just is not well. And then he said stuff like this. Audio soundbite 10. Listen to this. This was about coronavirus and how it's responsible for everything and his policies aren't. It matters. It matters. Look. COVID left its scars, like the spike in violent crime in 2020, the first year of the pandemic. We have an obligation to make sure all people are safe. Public safety depends on public trust, as all of us know. But too often that trust is violated. It's, you know, the crime is because of the COVID. It made people commit the crimes. And also uh, violated trust. Uh, If you look at the latest polls. The COVID did. The country does not trust the government. Well, the COVID did that. Is that what happened? It's the COVID. Oh. Name me one who would trade. COVID places. You know who else I saw there before we get going to break? You know who else? Well, obviously. John Fetterman. Oh, man. He had no idea what the hell he's doing. He had no clue. He stood up, sat down, and then he'd kind of stand up, sort of, and then he'd sit back down. And then he just didn't know what to do. He was behind Bernie, who had the who was the only person on the floor with a mask. There was uh, last night. I sent this video to Juan because when Biden was talking about serious illnesses, the the camera flipped right over to Fetterman. Oh, like it was crazy. So Juan, go ahead and play this for the Ooh. audience. What in God names happens if this, if your spouse gets cancer or your child gets and deadly ill? There he is. Or something happens to you. Just stand. Just sitting there. That's. Yeah, that was something else. All right, we have more on the way. Apparently, Byron Donalds just dropped some hot audio. Golly. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Mr. Chairman, real quick, and I apologize. I know the proceedings of the committee room. Um, I'm just going to cut to the chase. 
from my colleagues on the other side of the aisle who want to state that uh, we're using this hearing for white nationalism. Uh, I'm not doing that. So if you feel that strongly, come walk up to this side of the room and let's talk about it face to face. Believe that kind of silly stuff for, for somebody else. Don't bring that here today. This stuff is serious. I, I know his name is Representative Byron Donalds, but I feel like we need to rename him to Chad. After that clip, dang, that was just, that was when things are, he's not playing with that. He is not having it. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here. End of our third hour, and we've been doing a State of the Union recap. I mean, the the whole point, every, I mean, he when he, he got into the class warfare, all this other stuff, you know, everything else, uh, you've heard a lot of it before. He was trying to take credit for. Here's the other. He was trying to take credit for, I guess, jobs gained. But the problem with this is the reason why they say net jobs. There's the. It, it's there. We're still adding, especially in the sectors that are carrying it. Texas is apparently uh, responsible for the majority, uh, a huge amount, uh, like a third of the jobs that have been created have been in Texas. And then you look at in states like Florida, states where you didn't have all the restrictions with lockdown so you didn't have people who were getting laid off and fired at record numbers like you had in these blue states with the Democrat policies of lockdown, et cetera. So, and a lot of it's hospitality industry too. They're still not at their same job levels that they were before pre-pandemic. So they're still gaining. And Biden acts like, I'm creating these. It's not. You're not doing that at all. That's not at all how that works. So... His claim where he said he was cutting the deficit, well, that's malarkey. I mean, he's actually chosen. What I don't get is that he, when he started his speech, he talks about one spending increase after the other That and how he chose to willingly add to the deficit with these, with the spending increases. You can't talk about how much you're spending and not offsetting it with cuts elsewhere and then say that you're not adding to the deficit or you're cutting it. That's not, that doesn't make sense. All right, folks, today's stupidity came. What oh, we got? Oh, it'll be Biden. Last night, I mean, there were a lot of gaffes last night. Gaffes are gaffes, but uh, this is Biden having a hard time saying. Doing anything? Yeah. <laughs> having a hard time saying. Words? Descriptions. Make no mistake. No mistakes. If you try anything to raise the cost of precision jobs, I what? will veto it. Whoa. Precision jobs? Precision jobs. Is that like trouble I'm going to jerk? Different than the Name me one. Street jobs. Name me one. Street drugs more harsh than precision. That's pretty much how it went, <laughs> folks. Oh, I'm glad that we got to commiserate today. Thank you so much. Uh, I will be back with you behind the mic tomorrow. Sign up for the newsletter, chapter and verse, all kinds of good stuff coming out there. Have a great night. Back with you then.